Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to the Double X Show, because two X's are just as good as four. After the break, we're going to discuss our top 12 4X games. Nathan Troy. Hey, Troy. How's it going? Excellent, man. Excited to be here to talk about what we think are the greatest 4X games of all time. Uh, so far. So far, right? As right. of this recording. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is, you know, our 12th Double X show. So I think we'll do 12 games. How's that sound? Sounds good. Now, when I say our, I don't mean Explorminates. I don't mean the... Uh, wider community because we held a scientific poll collecting this information. What I mean is Nate and Troy's. We discussed this behind the scenes. We got some feedback from the other Explorminators, the staffers and things like that. But this is just for you and I. This is to get a conversation started, hopefully not an argument that results in bloody noses and busted teeth, you know, because this is, we're a very passionate crowd and we have our favorites. So, Let's begin. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to discuss the top 12 4X games of all times as of July 1st, 2018. What do you say? Yeah, that sounds good. Even though we're not recording this on the 1st, we're just going to, you know, we put in that cutoff. All right. So let, let's see. What qualifies for the greatest of all time, otherwise known as the GOAT? Is it, what is it? Is it the gameplay? Is it the mechanics? Is it the polish? Is it the AI? Is it the tech tree? Is it the asymmetric factions? Is it the animation, the music, the atmosphere? What is it? What do you think, Troy? Oh, man, it's got to be a combination of everything. It's got to be depth of gameplay. Uh, it, it's got to be, you know, there, there's got to be some uh, thematic elements to it to where... Like the the objects in the game look and act as you would expect them to, and they kind of like bring you into the world and give you a sense of of, of being there, being in control. Uh, it's also got to challenge you on a strategic level and a tactical level. I think to be to be the greatest all time for Rex, it can't just be good at one or the other. Uh, I think also it's got to stand the test of time. It's got to be the type of game that 10, 20 years from now, people will still want to play. It can't be just kind of a flash in the pan. It was popular for a little while and then kind of faded away and, and nobody really wanted to play it anymore. Or it, And it also okay. can't be a, like a very obscure game. Maybe it only sold 
you know, five or 6,000 copies. It was an amazing game, but for whatever reason, no one ever played it. I don't think something like that could qualify as the greatest of all time either because it just didn't reach uh, a certain degree of market penetration where, you know, a lot of people could appreciate it. Okay, that's that's all good. Now, before we begin, I would like a quick disclaimer, and I will begin with that we are aware that every single person listening to this is probably going to disagree with us, and uh, we're wrong, and we have no idea what we're talking about. Of course, your list might be significantly different. The order of the games might be completely different, but it'll be interesting to see if there's any overlap of games. Like, do you find some of the games that we choose to be good? Are they maybe even in similar positions on this list? And with that, let us begin. Number 12 is Thea the Awakening. And the best way that I can put this into a category of a 4X is this is the best one-city challenge 4X out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really cool way to think about it. You know, uh, Civ has had a one-city challenge game. Endless Legend has a cultist where you only ever have one city. I think, is is it, is it Gladius that has mm-hmm. something like that too? Yeah, yeah. the Space Marines only have one city. Exactly. So, uh, it, you know, it's not an unheard of thing for Forex to dabble with a one city concept. And Thea the Awakening, absolutely the, the best in, in our opinion for that. Also, I would say it's got probably I'm, I'm trying to think real hard probably the best crafting system of any 4x game as well you know uh way back when well sorcerer king had that sorcerer too, right? king had a good one it had a good one i didn't i didn't enjoy it as much as the awakening master of magic from the 90s had a crafting system i don't think i enjoyed it as much as thea the awakening so in those two areas the one city challenge and crafting i think Thea stands head and shoulders above the rest. What probably keeps it from being a little bit higher on the list is that that's pretty much all all it is, right? It's just a, a one-city challenge game, and crafting is, is a huge... Not the only part of a gameplay, certainly not, but like a really big part of the gameplay. Fair enough. I mean, it had other good elements in there. Interesting card combat. Uh, it has uh, very, like... Qu- yeah, the quests. It had, like... The night-day cycle, you have different mm-hmm. things going on. So, you know, and even though it's a one-city challenge, you had encampments because you had to travel the map and you had to heal and sleep and do all kinds of stuff. So there's more to it than that. But definitely the one-city challenge, that's that's very, very appropriate. Now, the next game coming in at number 11 is Ascendancy, 1995's Ascendancy. Now, this is a game that it was first of all it is a guilty pleasure now i know there are people out there that will not agree with this yet there are some that will at the time that it came out the competition for 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 4x was pretty tough you had civilization you had master of magic you had master of orion so you know on those levels it didn't quite compete but at the flip side it had fantastic graphics it had great music it had unique aliens 21 of them and they were different there were no humanoids this is the first time 
and probably one of the only times that you've ever had a game where there were no humanoids. Even if you take something like Stellaris into account, you still have humans in Stellaris. In Ascendancy, there are no humans. There are no mention of humans. You don't know if this happened long after humanity was gone, long before humanity appeared, or maybe there were no humans in this part of space at all. And the the gameplay was you had tactical combat. It wasn't one unit per tile. There were no stacks per se. And the music was very, very good. And, you know, it was, it had a lot going for it. But I think it's a guilty pleasure. And I'm just sneaking there. Is it better than Thea? Don't know. But it preceded Thea by more than 20 years. And it, it did a fantastic job for what it was. And then this was probably one of the first 4Xs released on the iOS platform. And I have it for my iPad. And I still play it. And it's, it's fun, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So... Okay, you get the next one. All right, very cool. Number 10 on our list is Master of Magic. And this was the first real, like, fantasy 4X in what we might call, like, the modern 4X era, where, like, the piece, like the real PC era. And this game was absolutely fantastic due to uh, the, the faction differentiation. I think there were something like 13 factions in the game, maybe more. Uh, each of them were unique. Uh, they had multiple units per faction. Some factions had eight or nine units. And you think about, you know, this game came out on floppy disks, like a couple of floppy disks. And each faction, those, those 13 factions, had multiple different unit types. Also, this game had animations for every spell that you could cast that wasn't a combat spell. So, like, if you were to summon like a Hydra or something, you would get a little cutscene of your wizard summoning a Hydra. And every time that you banished or, or defeated another enemy, you would get a cutscene of banishing or defeating that enemy. Or if you cast an enchantment that enchanted the whole world, there'd be a whole animation for that. And they fit all that on just a couple floppy disks, which is really amazing. Like, how did they get all that on just a few floppy disks? It was also the first one to introduce, like, an alternate world. You had the normal world that you would expect, right? It's very Earth-like. And then you had, like, the dark world, which was on a separate plane of existence. And you had to use nodes to travel from one to the next. And um, that was that was the first time that anyone had ever seen, like, a, a reverse map for a game. And then, you know... Uh, it, it also benefited from stealing a lot of ideas from Magic the Gathering and just shoving them into their game. Magic the Gathering was really popular at the time that Master of Magic came out, and so I think it kind of played off that, which is fine. Maybe a little bit dirty, but man, it was so much fun. And like, it's it, not dirty. It's not dirty. It's not like they took the cards from Magic the Gathering and then, wait, they didn't take the cards from Magic the Gathering and put it in the game, right? Yeah, well, they pretty much did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Like Let anything me, with uh, a proper name. Like they oh, didn't man. use anything with a proper name, but okay. Like the the basically, if you were playing Master of Magic, like there were a lot of people who thought Master of Magic was the video game version oh. of Magic: The Gathering. They were just so close. Like so many of the spells oh. were the same. So instead of instead of a Shivan dragon, they had a red dragon. Yeah, or oh, uh, you know things like lightning bolt, fire bolt, uh, ice bolt. Um, like the different summoning spells, they were all in there. A lot of the enchantments had the mm. like, same name. 
Ah, it's so. okay. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast didn't sue them, right? No, no. And Microsoft actually, didn't get sued. So. There, there was a time when both uh, Master of Magic and Wizards of the Coast were owned by Hasbro. And oh. well, they good. didn't like ever come out with like a Master of Magic 2 where you could like, like in- integrate it with Magic <laughs> the Gathering. Like, like That would have been really great. But they, they were both owned by the same company for a time, but it, it never went anywhere, unfortunately. Right. So... Anyway, Master of Magic, number 10 on our list. You want to take number 9? Sure. So number 9 is a more modern game called Stellaris. I think one or two of you people heard about it. Of the listeners have heard of it. This is a grand strategy 4X hybrid set in space. Now, with the way that Paradox releases content... The game from release to release, from DLC to DLC, from free update to free update, changes from being more in one camp, more in the other, somewhere in the middle. It's constantly shifting this line of what type of game it is. And I know that the community is bothered by it because I it took me a long time to get into it. But I can say this. Stellaris as a game has really revitalized the Space 4X genre. They brought a lot of new players from other Paradox titles and other genres into Space 4X. It is selling really well. I'm not talking about the DLCs. I'm just talking about the base game. I think at last count, it sold something like 1.5 million copies or something like that. And this is for a brand new IP. This is in just, you know, over just a bit over two years. It's, it's, doing, it's doing pretty good. And it brings a lot of different things. So... What makes Stellaris stand out from other titles, besides the real-time, possible real-time combat, but it's not RTS, really, because you don't, you know, you can't move them around the terrain to give them advantages and things like that. So it's not kind of like Sins of a Solar Empire, but it's more like my my glob versus your glob, depending on how the ships are outfitted. You know, you can exit combat. You know, just you can set up ambushes, choke points, things like that. Okay, you know, have other influences on combo. What makes it different is that the ethics that you pick for your species plays a huge role in how you play the game by limiting certain choices. Your not just ethics, there's like the traits impact that, and throughout the game, things can happen like political parties will come up and they will impact your civilization and force you to change or have a revolt maybe you get you get defeated by somebody but that doesn't mean it's game over now it just means you know you could be a slave or you could be you know somebody's uh you know they're they're now your protectorate you know so they're protecting you now or something like that or maybe you're going to federation so it brings a lot of different gameplay elements and on top of that it has probably one of the most robust event systems and it has some some pretty solid quest chains and there's a lot of replayability but again it really depends on which version of the game you like because there's a lot of players that feel that version 1.9 or up to 1.9 that was the best that it's been and now it's on version 2.1.1 or 0.2 or something like that and they're trying to talk about the next dlc for it i mean this paradox this is how they do this is how they support their titles for five six seven eight years but as a result of that the game changes so it's kind of hard to say what the game will be six months a year from now but at the time of this recording 
we put it as number nine on our list. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it could climb higher if like we were to do this again in a couple of years it might be higher or you know if they have a few more patches like how 2.0 went um it could conceivably fall off if, if something even better came along so um <laughs> hopefully that the uh development for stellaris continues in a positive direction because i think the game has a lot to offer agreed now for number eight we have age of wonders three now, what makes Age of Wonders 3 stand out, and by the way, just so, just you know, to clarify this, and it's important to clarify it with Age of Wonders 3, usually when we're talking about a game, we're talking about the game at the time of recording. So when we're talking about Age of Wonders 3, we mean the full version of the game as it is on July 1st, 2018. And what I can say without a doubt about Age of Wonders 3 is that it has by far, now, important qualifier that's not the case for everybody because not everybody enjoys this aspect of 4x games but it has by far the best tactical combat of any 4x of any genre of any time now if you don't like this if you're like oh man i hate combat i just want to auto resolve it then okay but it still has a really really good auto resolve system where mostly what you expect to happen if you were playing the best you could play is what happens with this auto result with the auto result. Now, it's another thing it has the higher difficulties. The AIs played really well without cheating. Like the AI in combat would whoop your ass if you did not use the spells that you have, if you didn't use the hero skills, if you didn't use the terrain properly, the AI really knew how to hurt you. So that's, you know, for me, that's definitely a solid spot is number eight, Age of Wonders 3. Yeah, also, Age of Wonders 3 had a really good, like, leveling system for the heroes and also for the units. I, I think it uh, added a lot of dimensions to the gameplay as you, well, quite honestly, did a lot of combat and earned a lot of XP and leveled that up. So that kept, kept the game fresh. Now, for number seven... This is where Nate and I differed just a little bit. Right here, Nate has Master of Orion 1 ranked at number 7, and I put Master of Orion 2. So, Nate, why don't you explain why you think Master of Orion 1 goes here at number 7? Okay, so f for obvious reasons, when we're talking about great, greatest of all time space for X, you cannot discount Master of Orion 1 or Master of Orion 2. Now, the reason... I and you, you know what I'm going to I'm not going to tell you this now I will tell it to you the next time they come up. I think it'll make more sense then. So if you want to give your reasoning now, go for it and I'll give my reasoning on the next one. How about that? All right, that that works for me. All right, Master of Orion 2 uh was and is a very influential 4X game. Maybe I maybe not the most influential of all time. That might go to Civ. I don't know. It's hard to say. But among the most influential of all time, there have been a million clones of it spawned. That's a bit of a hyperbole. But there have been a lot of Master of Orion 2 clones spawned. And when it comes to a Space 4X game, that's what people will compare it to immediately. They say, okay, how much is it like Master of Orion 2? Does it, does it uh, you know, are, are there, uh, you know, 
do you have a lot of colony management? You know, what's the tech tree like? Are, are you trying to conquer all these places? You know, uh, space tactical combat. Is that in there? Turn-based tactical combat in space. All that stuff. Um, you know, it's so I think any top whatever list of 4X, as long as it's more than like top three maybe, needs to include Master of Orion 2 just because of the effect it has had on the genre undeniable effect it's had on design practices in the genre the reason i haven't marked at number seven instead of perhaps a little bit higher is it also kind of split the fan base back in the day uh people who played a lot of master of orion one uh liked the design aspects of master of orion one which i think we'll talk about next time uh when we get to the next uh, where nate has uh master of orion two in his list uh but you know, there there was a, a bit of split in the, the community at that point, and then also right around that time, Civilization Two came out, and that's where the Civ franchise really, I believe, was able to shine, and eventually, you know, when the third sequel in each, which for both of them is kind of a rough sequel, the third one for both franchises were mm-hmm. not oh, yeah. the greatest, uh, but still, I think it was... At Civ 2, Master Ryan 2, where Civ was able to take the stage, or at least pull even with the Master mm-hmm. of Orion franchise. And then, you know, from there, Civ was able to kind of, you know, yeah. become the dominant game. Run away but, with it. Right. But yeah, I, I don't, I can't hardly say that Microprose slipped up with Ma- Master of Orion 2 because it's still a great and awesome game, an all time great. But mm-hmm. also, I, I, you know, I just remember at the time that the people that were really into Master of Orion, well, I shouldn't say the people. There was a group of people, a certain portion of the player base, mm-hmm. that didn't like the added complexity of Master of Orion 2. Mm-hmm. And for me, the added complexity of Master of Orion 2 has become a negative thing because the m- people mistook the micromanagement mm-hmm. as what made the game fun. Right. And they just piled on more micromanagement, and I don't think that's a, a great design philosophy to pursue. So, well, that's all I'm going to say. Fair about enough. That. Okay, and I'll explain my reasoning the next time this comes up. All right, awesome. So, uh, what's number okay. six? Number six. Since you were talking about civilization, so number so in previous iterations of Civ, when Firaxis would release content, this was actually started before. When Microprose, when they release content, every now and then they would release something to accompany the game, like like a different version of the game. So for number six, we have Alpha Centauri, which is actually a space version of Civ 2, I believe, right? Well, like extraplanetary, let's say. Well, not, yeah, not set. It's set on another planet. Right. And there's there's a... The difference there is there's something more. Usually in a Civ game, it's a historical game, and you know you're using the various major events in history to drive the narrative of your game and how right. things could go differently. You know, whereas in Alpha Centauri, they, you didn't have that. This is, you know, humans are colonizing an Alpha Centauri, and it's the first human colony, and there's the different factions, and you know they have their own agendas and what's going on, and there's something happening on the planet, and the planet is not unpopulated like they had thought so there's that there's yeah there's, there's a bit of a mystery that that makes it really cool to explore yep and not just the mystery but there's alien life there and there's all kinds of other stuff going on there's there's like a narrative there's an actual yeah, story where point. in a civ game you don't really do that in civ games you make your story 
you know, based on your immortal leaders that are living for 6,000 years somehow, you know, the, the Methuselah, so these vampire clans, I would suppose, is how they survive for so long. <laughs> right. They never age and they're always in the same physique. Like in earlier Civ games, I think it started with Civ 3 when you went from age to age, your leader would change their outfit. So at least they can try to fit in, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So you had like uh, Abraham Lincoln wearing, uh, you know, caveman outfit or something like that, you know. So and then later on it would advance. So in Alpha Centauri it's different. Alpha Centauri it's it's just it, the the factions. This is the first time where each faction was unique. You had the planet. It was a. It wasn't just a player versus player or player versus you know AI, but it was like player versus everything because the planet is fighting you back and depending on which faction you were you had different you you would react differently to the planet do you try to cleanse like burn down the growth or do you let it grow and try to adapt to it you know are you if you're a warmongers the environmentalists the peaceniks so they're going to be friendly to you and then when they go to war are they just as bad as you you know there's a lot of stuff going on there and they had a lot more colorful speech this was kind of like I think outside of maybe Master of Magic, this is something that stepped out of the, you know, template a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely a game that is very highly regarded. A lot of people love this game, myself included. And when Firaxis announced Civ Beyond Earth, which is what everybody were hoping for would be like a spiritual successor, they didn't quite hit all the notes. When they released Rising Tide, which was the first expand, first and only expansion for it, it improved the game quite a bit. And I was always hoping that they would release a second one because I think a second one would have done it. So, you know, it's it's a missed opportunity. You know, we, we get no say in any of this. We're just fans. We vote with our dollars. And that's that. I mean, do you agree about Alpha Centauri? Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Uh it's another one of those games that if you're doing a top 10 list, it's kind of hard to make it without Alpha Centauri, in my opinion. So uh, let's move on to number five, right. and that is Sword of the Stars 1. This is another one that has a, a great fan base. Like People who've played Sword of the Stars 1, really understand it, really know it, are absolute fans of it. And Nate, I know you have more time with it than I do, so why don't you talk yes. about that one? Okay, so there's several several different reasons why I feel now I the reason it's actually not lower down besides you know your input and we're kind of we had to take our list and kind of overlap them is that interestingly enough, sort of the stars one, it's almost like a spiritual successor to Master of Orion one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you had the modability, like the way you build out your ships and customization for Master of Orion 2. But the way you ran, so I'll, I guess I can just do it here a little bit because we're going to be talking about Master of Orion very soon again, very shortly. But one of the things that separates Master of Orion 1 from Master of Orion 2 is the management of the planets. So in Master of Orion 1, it was sliders. You know, you simplified. Right. You want this, you want that. Boom. You didn't have to sit there and like build structures and i want my planet to do th- to build this so i have to build a b c d and e you didn't have to do all of that you just did the sliders and that's it that's how sort of the stars was also if you wanted more production you would set your planet to more production if you wanted more population or you wanted more um let me see it wasn't population i think it was like a production happiness and money 
So you would adjust them based on what you were going for because you were focused on conquest. You were focused on space, on, you know, taking territory, repealing invasions and things like that. So that's kind of how, why people like Master of Orion 1, because it was also simpler in that sense. It was a lot more straightforward, fewer ship designs. Whereas in Sword of the Stars 1, you could do all kinds of customization. Now, what makes Sword of the Stars, for me at least, so high on the list is the fact that it had amazing space combat. Right. So you you build out your ships, you you equip them. They have the direction your ship faces matters. You know, there's three dimensionality to it also. And the other thing that really, really stood out was the tech tree. It has by far out of any 4X game so far until July 1st, 2018, the best tech tree, because there's certain. Each of the alien factions had a couple of core techs, and the rest you randomly discover, or you salvage from combat, or you steal, or you trade for. And sometimes you have breakthroughs. Sometimes you have somebody come in that's really good at a particular thing, and they help you speed up. And you had, like, like the whole tech thing was just amazing. And from game to game, based on the way that the tech tree was programmed, the stuff would be would have different weight to it. So as a particular, like the Lear, the space dolphin, space whales, they their their drive. So that's another thing. They each of the alien species had a unique uh, drive system. How they how they moved about in the galaxy. And now this is something Stellaris did, and that's one of the major complaints right now. That with 2.0 they removed a lot of that, and people are like, no, we want all the variety, all the things back, and you know, so. Sword of the Stars had, what was it, at at the end, after the three expansions, it had, I think, seven, maybe, no, seven? I think seven species. Each one played uniquely. Each one had unique aspects to it, how they traveled, how they fought, how they researched, how they survived. Each one was different. It was yeah, it's definitely, but it's hard. It is a hard game, and a lot of people were turned off by the complexity. And it is not an easy game. It is not something you just pick up and you're like, oh, man, I'll master it in 20 minutes. No, no, I'm sorry, my friend. You will not master it in 20 <laughs> minutes. You might not master it in 20 hours, maybe 200 hours. It's, it's, it's a game with some staying power. And with that, let's move on to number four. So in number seven... I had Masters, Master of Orion 1 as my seventh pick. Troy had Master of Orion 2. In number four, it's reversed. I have Master of Orion 2, and Troy has Master of Orion 1. Now, the reason that I preferred Master of Orion 2 to Master of Orion 1 is I like having more control over my empire. I like the combat in Master of Orion 2, though it definitely got tedious when you had some some of these massive fleets and having to move and like versus the AI, these battles took a good long while. And some of the micromanagement when you had a huge empire was was tedious. But I liked the customization. I liked the combat. I liked the micromanagement. Really, you didn't. If you don't want too much micromanagement, plan a smaller galaxy with fewer habitable planets. You know, you had a lot of that customization, a lot of the ability to, you know, adjust the game. Now, another thing that I liked in Master Ryan 2 is they introduced the Antarans, which were basically an external alien threat 
that was not controlled by a human and they would target you, they would target the AI. So you, you know, that was my preference. And on the flip side, you have Master of Ryan 1. So is there anything you wanted to add here that you hadn't said before? Yeah. Um, the thing I really enjoyed about Master of Ryan 1 was just the simplicity, the elegance of the game. Uh, having the sliders for determining, like, a plane, its output, your empire's output was so nice and easy and simple. And you could change the direction your empire was going almost on a dime, uh, depending on the game's state. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I think both games had pretty decent faction differentiation. I mean, certainly not to the degree that, that other games have, but, you know, given their time when they came out, I, I think it was pretty good. Uh, I'll talk bad about my number four game here just for a minute. Um, the, the things I, I didn't like about Master Rhyme 1 was when you design a new ship, you would lose all your old ships of that model. I hated that. So like if you, you know, if you built 100 cruisers and you say, all right, well, I've researched a lot of new weapons and engines and shields and all this, so I need a new cruiser design. So you design a new cruiser. You, well, you were only given six design slots. And so if you replaced one of those de- design slots with a new design slot, all your old ships on the old design, just poof, gone. No salvage, no, no getting credits back. No, like, retrofitting those ships. I hated that mechanic. I hated that mechanic. That's about the only thing in the game I hated. I loved the combat because it's nice and simple. You could have hundreds and hundreds of ships, and it was easily manageable. Uh, you know, all the different weapon types you could put on your ships, they, they were animated nicely, especially for 1993 when this thing came out. I mean, that is old, but the animations are really good. The guys at Microprose knew what they were doing back then. Uh, so anyway, that's why I have Master of Orion f- 1 at number 4, because it is very easy to play, but at the same time provides a lot of strategic depth. My only real complaint with it is just that you're limited to those particular ship designs, and you don't, when you lose your ships, you lose them. You can't retrofit them. I, mm-hmm. I really, really hate that. Not just that, but you can only build so many ships at a time, too. Uh, Remember the... There was like a hard cap, I think, on yeah, how many there, ships well, you could yeah, build. Yeah, that was because of uh, computer resources well, <laughs> at the time. Well, sure, yeah, but uh, I let's mean, see. It's, there were games. I think, I think that kind of limitation. I remember that being in games like up through Civ Three. I think Civ Three mm-hmm. also had it like a hard cap yes. on the number of units you could play, and I, I, I don't, I don't like that either. That, that's a good point, Nate. I don't like that either. So, um, but it's also related to ships. So it's all, you know, it's part of the whole same ship mechanic. Right. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. Well, let's move on to number three, and that is Galactic Civilizations Two, and right. that's this is a lot of space games like all jammed together here. Uh, five, four, and three, all all space games, but they're all good for really different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sword of the Stars 1, like Nate mentioned, the, the tech tree, combat, faction differentiation, faster than light drive. Uh, whichever Master of Orion is your preference, you know, there really mm-hmm. isn't a wrong choice there. And then here with Galciv 2, uh, you know, the reasons we really like this is, you know, it's a proper space 4X like you would expect in, in the mold of Master of Orion 2, mm-hmm. but it has an awesome AI. Mm-hmm. Among the very best AIs for mm-hmm. a 4X game, perhaps mm-hmm. ever. Uh, 
also uh, the modability of uh, Galsiv 2 really gave the game uh, a, a nice long life. And also, you know, let, let's take a moment here to give uh, Stardock some props. It wasn't too many years ago. I want to mm-hmm. say it was a couple years ago, Nate. You might correct me on it. They mm-hmm. released a new patch. It's for- based on, yeah, this was uh, maybe two, three years ago. They released a patch that incorporated a lot of stuff that the community did. So it's the equivalent of a community mod that they turned into an official patch. That's, again, a game that's being supported many years after it officially development officially ended on it. Yeah, and, you know, Galsev 3 was out. That was, their, that was Stardock's new flagship. 4x game right and here they are they gave a brand new patch for galsiv 2 so even i mean it's been updated you know fairly recently and it's still a very good game also uh the the shipbuilder in galsiv 2 is is pretty good we we know brad wardell likes his shipbuilders um so i mean for all those reasons galsiv 2 is number three on our list is there anything you'd like to add about it nate well the modability so <clears throat> with the shipbuilder you could build a lot of different ships. Now, later on, much later than like the last official updates, people started importing ships from other games. So I saw ships from like Battlestar Galactica, from Babylon 5, from Star Trek, from, you know, Star Wars being imported into the game. They're being worked in their, you know, in their files I, I don't remember what it was bsx or bsd or something like that the the file format and they worked and they were they had hard points and people were really doing stuff and then you couldn't you know you could bring in your own uh jpeg and create your own custom race i certainly did that a whole lot of times i still have some of the ones that i like to use and you could make uh custom races and you know, assign an AI to them, and the AI played them pretty well. Now, one of the last things that Stardock did is they made each faction have its own unique tech tree. Now, the, these tech trees are not like, okay, well, here's 25 pieces of tech, and that's it. They're massive, and to have unique ones. And the the way the game played, it was like, it was insane. It, and, the, and this wasn't on a 64-bit engine. This is 32-bit engine. This is on an engine that they were using for a long time, for something like 15 years since Galsiv 1. They just kept building on it. And they had to rebuild it for Galsiv 3. So some of the issues with Galsiv 3 were growing pains. But yeah, Galsiv 2 definitely belongs up here. And I know some people will disagree. And of course, everybody has a right to their own opinion. And if you do disagree, please let us know why in the notes. So you want to take number two? Or you want me to take it? Why don't you take it? Okay. So... The number two game is Endless Legend. Now, before you, I, I, I can already hear a few mem- community members jeering. They haven't even heard the podcast, but I know they're jeering. <laughs> and that's okay. They're probably that's, surprised we didn't rank that as number one, given how much you and I like it so much. That's true. And we didn't because the number one game really does deserve to be number one. And when we tell you what it is, you'll understand. So um, why is Endless Legend an my opinion, your opinion, the number two game. So I'll speak for myself with this. It's the best sci-fi fantasy 4X. It has the most unique factions. The 
just their appearance is spot on the terrain the music the the asymmetry i'm very much i really like what they did with the eras for the tech i like how they did it i like the quests i like how they handled miners i like that they reduced the overall amount of units but then they increased the customization though again some people will say things like that really doesn't matter there's an optimal build well look every game has an optimal build at some point you know you reach an optimal build for everything having said that in endless legend there's multiple optimal builds because each function each faction is unique and each one plays the game differently and that to me is very important because it lets you enjoy the game and then you can start to customize your game and there's a lot of options for customization though there the mod support I think ModDB has some mods for it, but they don't really have like, you know, Steam Workshop type of mod support for it. But that's just, you know, a question of time. So that's what I like. And what about you? And the music. The music Uh, is phenomenal. Yeah, the music. I think the music is the best of any 4X game. Um, Like just when I'm working, you know, when I'm I'm, uh, just, you know, at my desk working. I'll I'll put on the soundtrack for Endless Legend. It's just it's perfect. It's great. Um, I liked how they handled the resources in the game, luxury resources and strategic resources. I thought it was really different from most 4X games that had come before it. I loved how you could spend luxury resources to get a temporary effect, and like so you have to make decisions: Do I spend this wine or these emeralds or this gold now, or do I hold it for a different time when it might be, uh, well, I might be under attack or who knows? I like the siege mechanics in it. My only real gripe with Endless Legend is in the combat, where the game doesn't allow you to like. All right, most people know this, but we'll cover it anyway. Combat in Endless Legend is mostly like you you have a tactical map pretty much and at the beginning of each turn you assign targets for your units and then basically you hit the play button and it'll kind of play it out for you you lose control of everything the game takes over the ai takes over and you know your units run around and they hit their enemies or they shoot their enemies and the enemies shoot back and hit back and all that well a lot of times you know, you're, an enemy target will die, and then you have a unit assigned to attack that target, and that target's no longer there. And so the AI has to decide what to do with this unit who has attacks left, but no officially assigned target. And the AI will choose for you. And I hate that, because most of the time the AI chooses poorly, or at least in my opinion, it chooses poorly. It doesn't choose, like, a unit that's almost dead. It won't go for that one first. Or sometimes it'll just have your unit run around randomly on the battlefield, like away from the fight. And for maybe two turns, that unit's going to be out of the fight because of where the, the AI put it. It's just it's weird. It's bizarre. So I, I would really like it if Amplitude would just let me reassign units whose targets are no longer legal. That would be wonderful. But that's my only gripe about Endless Legend. Other than that, it's pretty much a flawless game. It... It doesn't even, like, really, despite the beautiful animations, the beautiful maps, the wonderful models, it doesn't really tax my system all that much. I I play it, and, uh, like, my computer doesn't get hot, really, or anything like that. It's just, it's a great game. It's just an awesome game. I agree with you about the combat. 
it would have been nice if you could pick two targets, your primary and your secondary target. There you go. That that would have done a lot. You could do that with your move. You could like force him to move on a particular route, but if their route got blocked somehow, then it became an issue. So yeah, so definitely that. And I also liked like the quest system. I liked oh, that yeah, they that added later good. on. I'm not talking about the main quest, but then they later added like the secondary quest where you're trying to escape the planet. And then they had the quest pack, which was cool. And, you know, then they added other things. They added the weather. They added, um, uh, what else? Yeah, so the the winter. And then they added the aquatic play. They added the espionage. So they were constantly adding things. And now at the time of recording, there's a new DLC expansion for it that's called Inferno that we don't know, well, I know stuff about it, but I can't really speak about it. So we don't know nothing about it until Amplitude announces stuff. <laughs> right. But it's it's cool. It's very cool. And this is another game that's being supported. And there are some issues still left. There's some UI issues, some color issues. But I think it would require a major engine rework, which is not going to happen at this point. So the people that were expecting that to happen are going to be very, like, you know, it's a cash grab. Look, you know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Hard to say. Nobody does this for free. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, definitely Endless Legend. And I think now is as good a time as any to reveal the honorable mentions. Because good we're not going to tell you what the first game is. So why don't you start with that? All right. Um, our first honorable mentions are Endless Space 1 and Endless Space 2. Uh, Endless Space 1 gets a lot of credit from people for bringing them back to the 4X genre, mm-hmm. which had pretty mm-hmm. much been dead for mm-hmm. for a good long while other than uh, civ games other, other than, than civ, civ games five. other right. than civ games right um and then of course endless space 2 which for me personally mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the best space 4x game i played in in a very very long time like mm-hmm. uh i just i liked it better than stellaris i liked it better than galaxy of 3 mm-hmm. uh for me endless space 2 is like i still regard it as a bit of an unfinished game yeah, uh, me too. Me uh, too. I think they still have quite a ways to go. And maybe when it's finished, it can make our top 12 list. Oh, yeah. Uh, but for me, it is, it is just fun. Um, it's, it's, got, it's got a heck of a political system in it. Yes. And if there is ever an Endless Legend 2, I hope that mechanic mm-hmm. makes it in and they make it even better. Uh, it's, yep. it's great now, but if they can put it in Endless Legend 2, if there ever is such a thing... And they improve it. Oh man, it's it's mm-hmm. gonna be fantastic. What's next? Civilization Five. Now we're talking about the complete version of the game. Right. The complete version of the game is probably one of the best games out there. But the reason it didn't make our list is because the one unit per tile is so divisive that it's it really split the community down the middle it sold a lot it still sells well but just all the various nations play too close to each other the combat is uninspired to say the least and you know it has some good scenarios some good mods out there for it but still it's just it's it's a great game it's in my opinion it's better than civ 6 but then again, Civ 6 is not a complete game either. So I think we have to compare these games to each other once they're out. So maybe we'll have a show in the future just talking about the Civilization games, the various iterations of Civilization, if we can compare them to one another. Okay. Uh, next is Sins of a Solar Empire. And that's uh, 
a real-time 4X game. And I got to say, you know, I love it. Uh, I've, I think I played Rebellion, Sins of a Solar Empire mm-hmm. Rebellion. Mm-hmm. And, like, that game is hard. That game is really, really hard. I remember the first time I beat it, what I had to do was I had to... You, you, you get a lot of control in Sins of a Solar Empire. You, you can mm-hmm. control, like, game setup quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed by that. So what I did is I made my opponent <laughs> faction that where their advantage is they get to control all the pirates. Mm-hmm. And then I and turned then, off the and pirates. And then turned off the pirates? And then I turned off the pirates. <laughs> I had to do that to beat the game the first time because it's so hard. Uh-huh. But, like, it, it's, it, it is great. I love the real-time combat in it. Um, I love the way that you build uh, bases and ships and infrastructure in the game. The Titans... The Titan ships in the game are fantastic. I think the honestly, I think the graphics have held up over time in that game quite nice. Uh, like the uh, space cannons that can blow up planets and things. I, it's just great. It it is it, it is not on like a massive scale like Stellaris. Sins of a Solar Empire is not on a huge scale like that. It is a much more intimate game, focused more on. Well, quite honestly, focus more on combat. There, there is not a lot of uh, like empire management, you know, where you're moving pops from, you know, like world tile to word world tile, and you got to unlock your world tiles, and you've got minor factions to deal. With. There's none of that. There's none of that. You're, you're. It, it is focused mainly on combat, building infrastructure, uh, good strategy, things like that. So I think that's why I didn't make make the list because it's not like. A, a more holistic 4x game but man if you like real-time 4x games you need to check out sins of the solar empire rebellion if you like real-time anything yes, this, yes. it's a good game it's a good game all right so the next game that's on the in the honorable mentions is distant world universe now i have spoken about this game many times and even though i agree that the game is actually mechanically speaking really good and you can you can play the game any way you want from anything from like intergalactic empire down to almost like you can automate so much of the game to where you're just controlling a single ship so really it's up to you how you play it but there are issues with the game besides the fact that it is a very difficult game to look at and i'm not even talking anymore at this point about the game graphics, even the user, the user interface is rough, and there's and like the AI is like uneven. So there are mods out there, some fantastic mods that fix all of this stuff. But again, this is our list, you and I, and neither one of us were, you know, waving the flag for Distant Worlds Universe to be, you know, anything more than honorable mention. And just in case people say something, understand this. Endless Endless Space 1 brought me back to 4X. And like you, Endless Space 2 is a fantastic game. I really, really love the game. But on this list, that wasn't enough to make the list. Civ 5 is my most played modern game in my Steam library right now that's recorded on Steam. I have a couple of games that I've played more, but I've played them offline but online, Civ 5 still has the most amount of hours. And even that did not make this list. So that just tells you that, you know, even if a game is good and somebody considers it the best game ever, 
you know, it's this is a personal list. And like I, like we had said initially, like I initially stated, you're probably going to disagree with all of our choices. We don't know what we're talking about. We're being <laughs> fools. We're dumb. How, how dare we disrespect your game? We get it. Please share with us why you feel this way. You know, what's the, as long as you keep it, you know, civil, nothing bad will happen, you know? Right. Okay, next on our honorable mention is Dominions 4. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a game with a lot of good strategic depth, mm-hmm. good faction differentiation. Uh, you know, there's a very de- dedicated fan base for mm-hmm. the Dominions franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, part of the problem with it is, you know, the graphics for it are like a thumb in the eye every time. It's mm-hmm. maybe not as bad as something like Conquest of Elysium. But Which is also made from the same developers. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it is not a, a very pleasant game to look at mm-hmm. and it's a bit intimidating i think i think that's also a problem with distant worlds universe like yeah when somebody jumps into dwu for the first time mm-hmm. and they see just like how many different things they got to look at mm-hmm. and and deal with like right away mm-hmm. it's They're overwhelmed oh my goodness it's so overwhelming dominions oh. 4 is also like that yes and speaking of overwhelming games you want to take the next one oh, oh. I, I do, but before that, just one last thing. So here's here's a huge positive for Dominions 4. The developers that are very, very dedicated, they, they constantly release free content. Like, not, not even the way Stellaris has it, or Endless Space 2, and by that I mean Paradox and Amplitude. But I mean, literally, e- almost everything that comes out for the game is free. So when they release new, new uh, like so now we're talking Dominions Five. When they're releasing new lords, or when they're releasing new nations, or anything like that, all that stuff's free. Map editor, free, 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 free. So they really support their games. And you know, if if you're into like proper strategy games, the one issue I think across the board is that the AI is not the best. So the trick is, is you play with your friends, do like a multiplayer game or play by mail or something like that, and then it's not an issue anymore. But yeah. Okay. So the last game in the honorable mentions, and since you had mentioned that you already revealed the spoiler was the fact, the difficulty and the barrier to entry, that is Aurora 4X. Of all the 4X games out there, that is probably the only game we will never review because it is, it is incredibly incredibly difficult it is deep it is micromanagement it is the ninth level of hell for micromanagement (laughs) so if you do not like micromanagement this game is not for you if you do not like spreadsheet like if you like man distant worlds 2 dominions forced large way too many screens way too many spreadsheets compared to this those games are not even tutorials take the three combined (laughs) that wouldn't even be a tutorial for aurora 4x that's how deep this game is this this game is like something that a bunch of nasa engineers the developed for themselves and somehow had got out into the wild so i've i've asked some of the staffers like oh when are you guys going to review aurora 4x usually my answer is never yeah it's just it's too much it's (laughs) that review will take multiple years to put together just because of how much stuff there is not because you you have to play you have to play the game and understand the game and you have to get okay at it It's, it's too much so it gets popped into our honorable mentions and with that we are about to reveal our number one game so troy take it away all right for us the greatest of all time 
number one forex game is Civilization Four, and we could probably do just a whole podcast on Civ Four and how good it is. There's just so many good things about it. I'm just gonna list a couple that I really enjoy, and and a lot of it came from a contrast from Civ Three. Like Civ Three, there was too much micromanagement. Uh, there were too many little doodads that you could put up, like um, radar towers and all just all kinds of weird things, and you wanted to irrigate every single square and just all this stuff. It was too much. Well, Civilization IV streamlined that. Uh, it streamlined the Civilization series to what you really needed it to be, and it introduced a, a leveling system for units that was intuitive and fun, and it had a significant impact on the game. Uh, for me personally, Civ 4 removed the limita- the artificial limitation on number of units you could control because the size of the maps got insane, and that was great, and that was a lot of fun. And then also, uh, I like the way that Civ 4 treated religion. It made it an important aspect of play, but it didn't treat any religion disrespectfully, or, or it didn't make uh, religion... Like where you you might have like a, a rivalry or something like that. It was just it was it was added to the game for uh, I I don't know maybe verisimilitude and it just it really improved the game. It made it great. What do you like about Civ Four, Nate? Well, like you, it has a lot of positives going for it, but it had a pretty solid AI. Yeah, that's true. It had um, like like I like the veterancy of the units, how the upgrading worked, how you could have different units, even though they began as, you know, some kind of an infantry. But by the time that you were done upgrading them, there was something different. The way that the generals impacted the stack or the heroes. And then, for me, one of the biggest things that made Civ Four amazing is the fact that the mod support that it had and some of the mods that came out for it, like the Fall From Heaven mod, oh my God, that was yeah. just like... That that was a game that that was on such a level. It was so amazing that had it been another game, it would have spawned the whole genre. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. So I like like the like the Dota games, like the like those games and Tower Defense. Those came from Warcraft Three, and those were mods for Warcraft Three that spawned whole genre, spawned esports. That's how amazing Fall from Heaven One, Fall from Heaven Two were. As mods, as far as mods go, there were other mods that were equally good, different, but equally good. But those were the ones. There was the fantasy, fantasy Civ. This was like wow. And and you know the guys that worked on it did some stuff with it. You know they they really got creative. They really went deep. They rebuilt the game to be something completely different. I mean, Warlock One and Warlock Two were basically like like Civ Five, but fantasy like from the fall from heaven type mods you know and it was just like it's it's something else and i think if you look on the in the thread a lot of people that posted in the thread it might have been in different places but a lot of people agree that civ 4 is the best civ game and quite a few people have it as their number one 4x of any you know space terrestrial fantasy you know real-time uh, turn base doesn't matter that's you know they have it as civ 4 so i definitely have to say that civ 4 is is by f- by far and away the best game the best forex game so far now is there something else that's going to replace it in the future 
quite possible. Am I stuck on the past and nothing that comes out today will ever be as good as what used to be? No, since the number two game is Endless Legend, and that game at this point is, mm, what, four years old? Yeah. Uh, well, you look at our list in total. We, you know what... Uh... You know, we have Thea the Awakening, Stellaris, Age of Wonders 3. Those are all fairly recent. And then from kind of the middle period, you got Galsiv 2, Sword of the Stars 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have, we have something from pretty much each decade. Right. Here that, uh, you know, starting with the 90s, if you if you consider that the, the birth of well, modern 4X with like, 19, 1 in 1991. Yeah, 1991 is... There were other 4X games, or at least... Uh, prototype 4x games and some of them were tabletop i mean civ is based on a a tabletop board game not tabletop but a board game called civilization it's different but it's based on that you know so okay and with that that is our top 12 now again that is troy and i's list or our list this is not for explorminate some of the other staffers had different choices, so I'm hoping they'll chime in in the comments and get an interesting discussion. Now, the caveat is there's no, it's not scientific. This is a, an emotional list. Each person listening to this is going to either agree or disagree or, you know, call us a name or something like that. It's all possible. So, you know, it's, is, is, this, is there anything scientific to what we just presented? No. There's no rubric here where we scored things based on that, you know, but it is our personal list and that's how we feel. So if you disagree with us, please, in the comments, share your list, redirect us to your post in the Steam forum that as of the time of this recording had something like, I don't know, 70 posts. I have a feeling after this podcast, that's going to be much larger with the various argument. And we'd love to take a look at your list and discuss it further. So I think that's it. Yeah, so we want to thank you for joining us on this Double X podcast. We really liked having you here. Uh, Look forward to what you have to say about it. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.